the herd ran in fear. And the dark ones, children of the worm, walked the streets in the day. I turned my head from the sight. The phoenix told me, this is as it shall be, but not as it should. The phoenix left me then. Now I cannot dream. I can only remember the signs, each one in perfect detail. These are the last days. May Gaia have mercy on us. 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hey folks, DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyles Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade chapters, and they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at werewolfthepocalypse-retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on Kickstarter, which seems to be early 2022. The game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us, the fans, including scenarios, investigations, beautiful miniatures, and more. With that, thanks for your time. Hey, everybody. We have a special version of what we're going to do here for a typical review of a book. Um, I know today is supposed to be uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse. Uh, who's who among the Guru? The Guru Saga. And those of you familiar with the book know it's not really the type of book you read through and find rules and insights into the world per the typical. This book is designed to have people who are galliards perform uh, some of the poetry that's in here. It's literally a book of guru poetry, epic poem sagas. It's done pretty well, pretty bold. In fact, uh, I feel that it's, uh, I don't know. I can't, I, I was a little speechless uh, when I, when I read it. this is actually a book I had not read. And I remember why, because when I first had it and it was on my shelf, um, what I, what I'd done is I flipped through and I didn't see any rules. I didn't see any gifts. I didn't see any use for the book if I could immediately apply it to the mechanics of the game. And I totally disregarded its use in tabletop, which is primarily where I played Werewolf until I transitioned to live action. Now, the thing about this is I did a disservice to myself because when you look at this book and you check it out, you're going to note that all it is is a timeless history about the ancestors of Guru. And because it's timeless, there's no need uh, to worry about what era this book was released or what's going on with it. In fact, as long as you're in the uh, the World of Darkness uh, niche for Werewolf, you know, and, and you know, Werewolf Fifth Edition isn't released, um, so we don't know what that looks like. But we do know that in the now, if you're running a game, no matter what, you can use this book. The cool thing about it is it gives you a, a list of every hero from a tribe and tells a tale about it, and but it's done in poetry, right? So the goal here it's even set up to where it's easy to perform; anyone can do it. In fact. And it's something to challenge your galleons or even challenge you as an ST to help immersion for the people playing werewolf. So if you were sitting down having a game and wanted to do a moot for a specific tribe, you can open up with a, a tale everybody knows. And the delivery you spend here is going to be what's key, right? The more time you spend memorizing the lines for this poetry, the better delivered it's going to be because you can do it in character. Now, that said, I don't believe in saying something without trying it first, right? It's going to be a first for me. It's going to be a first for you guys. And uh, luckily, my team has decided to take the plunge and come with me. We're going to do this as a company here, so to speak. And uh, we're just going to give it a go. Uh, what we're going to do is we each have uh, targeted 
uh, actual poems are really, I more or less assign based on how they sound, how I think they sound, and uh, the, the ability to perform it. And I know they're stellar at it. Um, it's going to help an immersion. So when you guys listen to this, I want you to think of the, the tribe they selected, because we're going to announce that, obviously. We're going to tell you the tribe. You're going to hear a name, and then they're going to begin telling you the tale. However, this is going to be a teaser for it. This book has some long intros for the poetry, and we're going to give you a few, a page or two, you know, some verse, some prose, as it said, from amateurs, and we're going to deliver this in here, and we're going to see how you like it. We hope you love it. Um, we know we had fun doing it. This is a blast for us. And it's also something you can immortalize with it. So feel free to heckle as you do. Um, or um, if you like it, let us know. And we'll look to do more things like this uh, versus just a standard cold review. And uh, not that any of them are cold. We obviously try to keep humor to it. But the important thing here is to make it to where you guys do uh, enjoy what we put down. So without further ado, Brentron, uh, you get the yeoman's work on this, but uh, we'll, be, we'll be concise. That's the intro for what we're doing today, folks. We hope you enjoy it. I was a seeker of the Garu slain, searching for the wisdom in the wild's pain. I was the fire of the wolf's desire, and I held pure with the talons through the northern sky, pondering on lost words left by the wise. I sought the noble ideal through silver eyes, then falling down I found the peaceful road, carved by the embittered shadow lord. Enough of strife. I found the city stalkers and learned from men from the old glass walkers. I felt the wrath of furies but could not see to find the golden shards of my haunting dream. The dream shone strong to me in younger days when I grasped it and turned to an ethereal haze. The taunting mirage taken by the winds blowing through my youth, that distant star, that light glowing. But I did not see my shadow as a man. I gazed at the stars and pondered the night land. It seemed all Garu paths had but one goal. Dancing to the tune of a single soul. Pack and tribe were the Garo's true home. Yet from the pack and tribe I was removed alone. Tears I wept for the weaver, worm and wild. Sorrow I held for the human child. I turned to men whose ancient troubled tomes of wisdoms I found under crumbling domes. The laws of Salon and Zeno's paradox. And the bones of a saint in the wooden box. Plato's ideals of forms danced before my eyes. Until Aristotle named them noble lies. The words of Confucius told me of the good life, yet the Buddhist teaching spoke of sorrow strife, of being the Brahmin looked into the karma's laws, Jesus Christ spoke of forgiveness of sin's flaws. The Hebrew books and words of the prophet read, and no nearer my goal than the cold dead. I reflected then the words writ down were bare, of experience's harsh awakening snare. Looking in the winter, I saw that each snowflake was a lone individual make. But the Garo seemed to lack the spirit's spell, with individuals who are free to dwell. In Gaia's realm, I thought, some hidden bond held in life and in the dark beyond. I resolved to go across the moon's highway to the umber realms, but I was led astray by the fairy folk and their songs and spells, and the wistful sayings of sacred dells. I had the Imperium cause much grief. To the race of man I saw relief. By the constant killing, we each teach our prey to kill. The Garu reach their aim, they have re-slain the Garu bears. And other whispers, Garus beware. My kinfolk cannot see the path we tread. Men pushed to the worm and Gaia made to weep. At the loss I sought, the Hirano sleep. Long had I been removed from my Garu kin. This I knew, the journey's out, the journey is in. From the Hirano sleep, none have returned to light. To give report from the spare dark night, 
the death throes of Bono push life beyond, other paths forsaken to break life's bonds. From the east I came to no direction go, to fly to the desert and forge a soul. What did I see on those shifting sands of strange adventures in many's lands? The great lost desert of dried up tears, forlorn of hope and forlorn of fears. Cinnamon winds reached me on that weary road, walking forever under that heavy load. In lush forest young with youth desire, as last I came and met eyes of fire. King Parkle of monkey folk, eager to discard my heavy yoke. And be my friend, he sat swift to learn, that my load was poison, his hands did burn. Upon touch, he told me to forsake my quest and stay, but although weary, I could not rest. Nor in the company of another, he seemed to discourage the simian brother. I left him lonely in this land of trees, scenting the riddles of uncharted seas. Now as my heart began to fill with gloom, I saw a fresh fala of the panthers whose doom. It was to ask its reason with each riddle, a young woman's game, she saw me in the middle. Of every question I pushed forth still, to icy realms where the blizzard devils fill. The howling winds of our empty desires, cold the fair of Africa's fires. Haruno, their master, wise old devil, was given to despair by the search evil. I held my own, and in solitude strode to the world's edge with a weighty load. I arrived here at the edge and alone, heard the grinding ice of the frozen zone. Beyond the noise I pushed my soul will to the furthest reaches where the ice was still. My dying art urged me, bloody and torn, to the desolate place where despair is born. In desolation's heart I despaired at last, and gave up all hope as my life strength passed. At the navel's heart in the wolf form I saw death. With distant light caught my dying breath, a glowing star and brilliant shone. In that forlorn place I lay alone. The deeping lights reached out, and I grasped at the mysterious star, whose light I clasped, and knew I was born in the land of woe. The hidden star caused my eyes to show. Me many things, my form in a crystal lake, and infused with my being I did forsake. All pack allegiance I owed myself alone, in that icy land where I awoke newborn. Laughing I leaped onto the ice with mirrors, my fleeting form over my fleeting years. More than I, myself I saw, with many shades, a multitude mourning as memory fades. I howled with the wolf shades and laughed with men, and insight into all hearts began. The noble wolf I saw driven forth before the hunters into the north. Adam's children improves his tools and weaves, circles of wonder while the garu grieves. The open space is conquered, the death of herds, the truth of the philosopher games of words. The arcane secrets were hidden in the spells, become words for mages of secret guilds. The fey folk retreat into their dreaming home. In man's city, the vampire laughs alone. With clear vision, I beheld as a child the ways of the weaver, the worm, and the wild. The triple riddle of dark infinity, the answer to ancient harmony. But the union broke while Garu attacked weaver's children and slew and slew. The smashed pizzas into ancient pattern, each shard torn angry which further shatters. The original, the wild blind slayers, drove weaver mad at her children's prayers caused her descent and then wove dark desires, such as the weaver's destructive fires. Into the heart of the triple worm I stared, and I guessed the riddle of doom ensnared, thrashing for release in the old abyss. From the Garo's hatred we created this. Our darkest foe, our evil other, the shadows of our wants, our taboo brother. The unexamined find the worm without. Within we must begin the darkest doubt. And within I stared and cast my eyes from afar, on the lights bright of that distant star. Finding my faith in that pale fire, the single star that was my old life's pyre, 
I pondered on my race, our numbers thinning, and retreating within our hopes of winning. War against the worm, gaining Gaia's blessing, caused many to wait doom and guessing. When the holy war would come and make it right, the world whose tribe would lead the final fight, I unclasped the brooch of despair and it fell, with the Hirondo into the dark night's hell. Awake I stepped and blessed that faithful star, seen in that crystal ice and reflected far, off every glinting, gleaming arctic strand of snow in that enchanted winterland, one step, and Hurmal in his despair received the spark of light into his care, given as a word that blizzard devils tossed aside their white raiment and colors lost, their sorrow and danced and laughed and sang, that empty land with their echoes rang. Another step before me, crushed Fala's form. I touched, and her panther's eyes there were shown. The sparking light on my gift of the hidden word, I stepped and asked, Porco, have you heard? The monkey danced with laughter, and when I spoke, the word of light to the monkey folk. Where I walked, the spring flowers grew and bloomed, fresh waters fell, and earth was renewed. My barren landscape from the desert sands, and the pole's fierce ice are but the strands. I saw within now that sacred light, open to vision to both day and night. And the light was with me ever after, in the deepest solitude or wisdom's laughter. Awake, I told the guard who showed them the way, to find the light I brought Promethean clay. They did not come, I heard them in the other tone, the path of Clytel is the path alone. So it has proved many autumn leaves have died, and no disciple come to my lonely side. The seasons change, and lengthening years do not break my hope in the veil of tears. In solitude I do not regret my goal that found the star path which I made me whole. I leave for others in code and story my path, others will find great glory in the path of star to reach beyond ourselves and find wisdom when we break our bonds. But I grow sad and even in wisdom's noon, I long for wolf songs under the autumn moon. Center of Whispers knew the legends from the eldest guru of old wolf of the woods who oversees the guru where the pine needles gather and the sap from old trees and seeds from the cones fall onto the forest floor old wolf of the woods the scent of mother gaia is in his nostrils the sound of all wolves howling sing in his ears the taste of the hunt and kill is between his teeth the sight of garu valor shines in his eyes the folly of humanity is in his smile. The immortal wolf who cheated death. Immortal wolf whose glance shows aid to his packs. All wilds children. Old wolf of the woods. He howled in his dreams, singing songs of laughter, which echoed across the mountains. Singing wolf in joy and strength and life. Center of Whispers had been born a pup of the wolves. As a pup, he played in the games of his sisters and brothers. He was marked. The others sensed his scent, his difference, and although he was strong and swift and dominant and Arun, he was almost a scapegoat to the pack wolves. Yet, in their odd fear, they displayed towards him an odd deference. When he was still a pup, a cougar found him alone and attacked, then itself was slain by a great lone wolf. 
Never did he forget the sight of that noble wolf who vanished into the woods after nudging him homeward. When he was a little older and the change came on, Blood Tongue took him away from the wolf pack. He was different, Garu, a skin shifter. But there were others like him from the Red Talon tribe. Center of Whispers found he could leap into different shapes, the Krinos werewolf of power or the shape of the human. He flexed his strange fingered hands, lifted tools, learned something of their odd tongue. He preferred his birth shape, the wolf of gray color, intense sight and hearing, and the powerful scent Mother Gaia gave him. The humans he thought of as confused and lost creatures, killing because they were angry, not having the eyes, ears, and nostrils of the wolf. In his mind, he named them mouth sensors because they tried to communicate all through their tongue, ignoring smell and placing sight and hearing below their language. How sad to communicate with just the mouth. Snow from Skies, another red talon, told him the legends how Old Wolf of the Woods had tricked the Garal, the Bear Changers, from finding the cairns of the early talons, the first changers. Old Wolf of the Woods had also outwitted the human hunters, tricking them with paw prints and frightening their dogs. He also saved the great Garu warrior, Nashes at Moon, from drowning in wild rapids. The generations pass like leaves, but Old Wolf of the Woods is still there. Sentinel of Wolf and Garu, hidden from all eyes, emerging from his den at his own choosing. The first to howl. Pure, beneath the new moon, Gaia's first child, red-coated wolf, savior and destroyer. Center of whispers saw him through the eyes of his ancestors, a lone figure, noble and wild, aiding the wolf children and wolf changers. Center of whispers remained a year with the red talons, then went back to the wolf pack. He missed his brothers and sisters and tired of the Garu. Soon he was accepted and thoughts of his Garu life slipped away, save in the back of old memory. Old Wolf of the Woods. He found a mate in one he named Snowcrest. They laughed and played and sang beneath the hunter's moon. She bore their children. Five pups staring a week after birth at the wide, strange world. He played with his children in the long grass and bright sunlight, taught them the hunt, knew them by scent, song, and sight, two sons and three daughters. For seven years, he ran with Snowcrest and loved her, his mate and friend. Finally, old age caught up with her, and she lay down to the welcoming death and the earth. Center of Whispers was with her, her sparkling eyes still young. After she died, he whined, long mourning, howling his lone song to the moon. He had lost his friend and mate. The wolf life died for him.
its children were grown. None were Garu, but their pups might be. He bid farewell to them with nudges and song, and left the pack, going to the ancient cairn of the Red Talons. His brothers and sisters of the Garu were surprised to see him return. We thought you had forsaken all but the wolf, they told him. He spoke of his life among the wolves. It was his vision of old wolf of the woods which brought him here, he proclaimed. The Red Talons accepted him, but still thought him touched by some strange spell. They did not like their kind to leave the tribe. Yet, since he dwelt among wolves, he was readmitted, even considered wise. He rose to third in the pack. Center of Whispers stayed with the Red Talons three years. He won great respect for his knowledge of herbs and trails. Still, he desired in his heart to find Old Wolf of the Woods. After three years with the pack, where can I find him? He asked the others. That you will have to find yourself, and he does not like to be discovered. Maybe there is a way. In the back of old wolf dreams into the north country, which he likes the best. Center of Whispers then bid farewell to his red talon family, bowing to find the pure path of the ancient grandfather. In a long moot, the red talon howled songs of farewell for the wandering heart of Center of Whispers. He called on the Incarna and Celestines of Earth and Umbra to aid him, and was gifted with strange sight. He sensed the unseen path that only certain eyes could spot, the trail of hidden things. He followed that trail through long grasses as wolf, into the wooded Northlands. Thoughts. Days pass, shadows moving, thistles on fur, scent of pine sap and fresh kill. Rabbit tracks, droppings, off into thorn branches. Gurgling of creek, water cold to lap, good. Watch the creek, waiting, afternoon light, falling from great pines. Scent of pine cones and needles, noise, walking, hooves. Sight. Antlers among dead branches, dark eye of stag coming to water. Stomach hungry. Strength flows through body, eyes forming plan. Head stag towards rocks, tire him, kill. Leaping out, the stag falls back, hooves in water, water spraying, deer running towards rocks. Halts to use antlers, avoid, pace, tire. Leap, dig teeth into back, throat. Warm blood. Taste and scent of blood, life blood, thrash, struggle of dying deer, warm meal, bury meat in cold snow. Come gather daughters, sisters, and mothers for the saga of Leucippes of the Black Furies. Listen when the earth moans her secret. Whispers rise from groves sacred to the triple goddess, old Eurynome worshipped still by the old dwellers of Greece, the daughters and sons of Crete, Egypt, and Attica. Her tremors are not as loud as those of Poseidon Earthshaker, giver of horses, 
brother of Zeus Invincible. Her tremors are stronger, and the three fates bind even the young Olympian gods to them. Listen to the tale woven about swift Leucippes, Amazon leader among the Saramati people of the Black Sea, renowned warrior Leucippes, leader among the wolf people, the Changeskin, the Black Furies, daughters of Artemis and Euralee. To her the earth, our mother, gave thanks. She grew to womanhood in the Scythian country, near the shores of the Black Sea, among the wolf people of the Amazon race, who fought alongside and lived with the Saramati males, their lovers and friends. The Scythians speak part Greek, but the language of the long-haired Medi is not unknown to them. Dark was the hair of Leucippes, fierce her eyes. She led her people, the women warriors of the wolf, into the countries of the Mede and the Macedonian. Many a man's flesh was rent on the warriors' raids as Leucippes howled long under the moon. sacrifice of the kill they made and sang to the moon in her three mysteries before Aurora's rosy-tipped fingers set the east afire with the coming dawn. She had dragged down the Galoni chieftain and slew the great warrior Ergocles of Ephesius of the line of Heracles near the Lydian country where tongues blend. On a day after the summer sacrifices, some of her distant kinsmen, wolf people of the shadow who dwelt among the Nurians, came before her with a stranger. Ancaeus of Thebes, a wolf brother, a walker of cities. Avadni, the friend of Leucippus, mocked him for his over-civilized ways, saying that a city was no place for any tribe of the wolf people. He bowed low before the young Amazon. Tell us your tale. What is wrong in the land of the Greeks? Leucippes asked. Pierced him with her eyes, sharper than an arrow of Artemis. A new priest of Apollo has arisen at Delphi, Chemisos by name, fairer than a god in form. Some claim Apollo fathered him in secret in Chalcis. He has called for followers from Greek countryside, men of arms, to rid the country of the wolf children. Strange spells the priest casts, and they slaughtered many of our people in Boeotia and Peloponnese. Our people whisper that Chemisos is possessed of a terrible power, but not from the god Apollo Lycaeus, wolfish Apollo, originally the friend of the wolf people. No, he was tainted by the evil fruit of the worm, Gaia's dark shadow. None stand in Greece with the power to slay him, and our kin on the other side of the Hellespont make excuses. I overheard from merchants of Ionia about the Amazons and came to plead our cause. Long Leucippus thought. Apollo had seized Delphi from the mother goddess, and absorbed her ancient power of prophecy. He had slain the serpent worm the mother placed there at the world's navel, Dark Delphi. Now he built 
art over the ancient terror and gave music more refined than pans to the sons of Greece, soothing them from the harshness of life. From wolves, Apollo moved to civilization. But his dark brother Dionysus, the god of the reborn and dying vine, still led wild his followers. Apollo's priests approached the priests of Dionysus, god of many forms, and they wished to include him among the Olympians. Now, Lucippes could only guess why Apollo and Dionysus would share power. She did remember that long ago Dionysus had defeated the Amazons in battle when he returned from India. I will help, she said, thinking of vengeance on both gods. Choosing twelve warriors, Leucippes prayed to the goddess with her Scythian moonsickle, then cut out the sacrifice for a favorable outcome. Wise as Odysseus, Laertes' son, and his plan to take Priam's city of Troy, she thought about how she could most swiftly reach the Greek country. Before their departure, she played with her little daughter, Irene, setting bright stones in an infant's pattern. Then kissing her daughter, she handed her to old Idia and was off with her warriors. And Caius and some Nurians took them before a large Greek ship, claiming them captives before the ship captain, who was carrying tin and gold from the Don River from Exampus to Byzantium, a price was reached, and the proud Amazons were taken aboard as slaves and placed with the other captives. On a dark night, while the rowers rested, the women changed form into the dreaded half-wolf. They slaughtered the sailors, and dark red stained the pine and tar of the boat. Over the waves of the Black Sea, their victory howls were heard. Now free the slaves, Leucippes ordered and three were found who knew the ways of the sail and the customs of the Greeks. Great stores of beef, fish, and barley bread soaked in olive oil were found. Through the Bosphorus they rode, giving tribute to the lords of Byzantium and releasing the unhappy slaves. At last, they came to Bagassi in Thessaly. They kept hidden the bronze arms of the slain sailors, and inquired where the followers of Dionysus were to be found. <laughs> I tell you about Vince Hammerhead D'Angelo. Dude grabbed the phone, right, staring through those curtains of the cabin window. Dude was a big guy, dressed in a baggy brown suit, powerful shoulders, tough hands. Dude has seen more than a share of hard work, right? I'm telling you, he knew that we was out there. We just slinking in the growing afternoon shadows. Dude was perspiring all over his hand, and Dude cursed when he found him shaking, right? Dude finally gathered his nerves, right? Dialed out. He's all shaking. I guess he needed to real concentrate just to grip the phone. I guess he finally got an operator, right? He's all like, connect me with Chicago, Frank Catello, or whatever he said, right? Dude would have forgotten for a moment that he was in Canada, right? Obviously, that whole hookup with Chicago was going to take a while. He almost hung up and discussed or whatever, but decided against it, I guess, right? He finally realized that, well, he's miles from anywhere, surrounded. Dude ducks his large head, peers out the kitchen window, of course, lands still. Dude's late afternoon, shadows falling heavy over the tall grass. Of course, to him, presence of death was out there, right? Just straight tangible. He could feel it, man. He could feel our eyes are out there. Watching from beyond the tree line, 
and you could tell he could smell this oh, our scent, man. The odor seeping into the isolated cabin. He's gonna be like, oh, how the hell did I get up here? Ha 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 ha. He's probably thinking, how in Jesus Christ did I get up in this godforsaken dump? Blah blah blah. I should be in Chicago making collection rounds for yada yada big owl hoo ha whatever. But you know, I guess finally, right? The operator puts him through to some dude named Frank. And he's all like, hello, hello, Frankie. Yeah. It's me, Vince, but, you know, uh, the connection's weak, and he's all like, hello, and then, you know, the dude on the phone, you know, we can hear it, right? He's like, what's going on, Vince? You guys in Toronto? And then big dude, he's all like, things are bad up here. Uh, we got the truck run off the road on the way to Toronto for pickup, and Stafford and his boys weren't waiting. He called them from his bar in London, and the other dude's all like, London? And yeah, he's all like, London, Canada. Wake up, smart guy. Stafford wasn't waiting. It's raining. We called them from this bar, and they said that you changed the delivery date. And the other dude on the phone's like, yeah, we didn't do that, man. Stafford's been straight with us, and juice is scheduled for today, and blah, blah. And this dude's all like, what? You didn't? Oh, man. Felt like something was watching us. Jim felt it, too. And then he goes on and says something about telling Capone that he thinks some dude named Irish O'Bannon is out to get him. Then... The big guy goes, he pulls his browning from his holster. Obviously, we see him from the window, right? I guess he's feeling a little secure. Dude, definitely picturing something. Maybe his wife, daughter, who knows. But then you can tell that he just gets a glimpse of where he's at. He's isolated. Woods for miles. And then, we're, of course, we out there, right? Our eyes just waiting, right? And dude, I guess he figures he's safe because he knows doors of the cabins were locked, right? He feels secure. He's in there. He can hear the creaking of the old wood as he's moving back and forth, scampering the only other occupant in there, probably a mouse, right? He's probably thinking at that moment, haha, I wish I was your side, little guy, right? But outside, right? The sun was warm, the day's still and quiet, and every now and then, of course, a bird's bursting in a song in the vast forest that's just chilling outside his window, right? And obviously, beyond that visible world of his window frame, the earth is peaceful, right? But here we are, waiting just a rustling in the grass, right? Then all of a sudden he's thinking, oh, time must be intruding upon his little serenity because he's got sweat beating on his forehead. You know that's got to be stinging in his eyes, right? But then all the dude starts talking again. And he's like, well, anyway, we felt like something was watching us. Ha <laughs> ha, like we was hunted. We all felt it. He's all like, uh, they went to some London hotel or wherever. And some dude named Johnny apparently is all like, is everybody happy? And he's telling him that he's talking some Ted Lewis jazz voice or something, trying to cheer everybody up. And that big guy, Vince, is all like, I wanted to pound him. And we're laughing out here just listening into this conversation, right? So apparently he says that they're going north of the city. I don't know how it happened, but he's saying, right, that they get lost down some old forest road at night, right? And that's where it was, right? I'm over there sitting, and he's like, I saw this dog. Obviously, that was me, right? He sees me, right? And he says, I'm a big-ass, ugly dog. I'm like, that's fucking rude, right? And all of a sudden, he's saying, I'm sitting at the roadside, and I'm laughing. Because he's like, yeah, laughing. And of course, when he says, I'm laughing, other dude on the phone's like, laughing? Really? And he doesn't seem too, like, real serious about it, a little bewildered. And then big dude's all like, yeah, I thought Big Torio had this Toronto connection tied up. And he's like, yeah, hey, this grew up wasn't supposed to happen. Obviously, apparently, they're talking about some Yankees game from last year, whatever. And then he's talking about how it happened, right? He's talking about how it was like, must have been like 2 a.m. One of us slept in front of him. His boy Johnny slams on the brakes, right? But then all of a sudden, they coast to a tree. He's mad because the DeSoto's a pile of shit. They then get out, right? Next thing he knows, 
We're coming after him. He takes off in the woods. His boy Johnny, as he said, is yelling. Friar is Thompson. And he's apparently out there talking about some Mounties on the way. Ain't no Mounties. It's us, right? But then he starts screaming. Don's screaming. The other guy's screaming. And this dude's just kept running. Then, of course, we start howling everywhere. And this dude apparently says he stopped cold. Like, we scared the shit out of him. His exact words was like every dog in Chicago was howling at the mood around him. And I'm like, hell yeah, right? And then we see this dude through the window licking his lips, right? I guess he's finally, like, taking it in. He says something about he found the cabin, beating on the door, and all of a sudden. But here's the thing. Lupo goes around the side of the house, clips it off. And the last thing we hear him say is, Hello? Hello? <laughs> In 1960, Kelly Blackford had the vision early in youth in her old family house in Pine City, Minnesota, before the first change came upon her. She saw a young sun reflected in quiet still waters. A stillness was also in the air. Wolves and men and deer, all were reflective besides the calm lake. She thought of the biblical passage about the lion laying down with the lamb. She told her family after dinner. Her father laughed. There is another passage, Kelly. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. That's in the good book as well. Her grandfather, Pavo, from Vipuri, Finland, gave her an odd look. Let's go outside, Kelly, honey. The night is warm. They walked outside the old house, hearing the old wood creak and the chirping of crickets beyond the meadows. The old man puffed himself up. Has your father told you? Told me what, Granddad? Listen, you have questions? You come to me, little Blue Jay. Soon you'll know. In 1962, Kelly came to her grandfather. I feel strange. I have these dreams where I'm running over wild lands and leaving paw prints in snow. Old Pavo laughed. Welcome to the children of Gaia. He told her many things that day about the Guru and Mother Gaia, about her lineage and her history, her ancestors who chose the path of peace, and she listened as her grandfather repeated the tales of Tim No Reaches Eagles and Ilya Hope through the night. Then he took her to meet her secret family, her new friends. Kelly succeeded in the rite of passage, told her new friends, the children of Gaia, her vision she had in her youth. They named her Kelly Stillwaters. Other young guru became her friends. Julie Star Laughter, Paula Wakes Before Sun, Tim Pine Shadow, Stacy Wonderlost, Robert Torchbringer, and his sister Mary Watchestone joined them from Chicago from time to time. They were descended from Africans and also claimed the heritage of Gaia and Guru. In 1966, the Great Society unraveled. The Red Talons were displeased when more city guru joined the children of Gaia in Minnesota. Kelly had become a proud woman, long brown hair and features of Renaissance beauty. Self-assured and aware, she made a commitment of living. She visited Minneapolis, dug through old city records to discover what was causing the odd blight near the Twin Cities. She discovered that the Pintex Corporation had established proxy companies in the area, researching biological weapons. Pintex was tied to the mother's foe, and so she told the others. In 1969 through 1970, Catherine had stepped down as voice of the goddess when old Robert Moonfriend, the arm of the goddess, died, killed on Pintex property, authorized personnel only. Kelly was young but saw that attacking an international corporation alone was suicide. She assumed the mantle of voice of the goddess and Paul became the arm of the goddess. She traveled, made alliances, formed contacts with glasswalkers, bonars, Fiana, and Wendigo. They came forth with united call to action. Bonars infiltrated the plant as janitors, cooks, and night laborers. So did some Wendigo and Fiano. The glasswalkers broke the security codes with computers. 
Kelly led the coordinated attack on the plant, the biolabs, and guards outside St. Paul. The Fomori were hideously strained, and the strike teams dispatched by Guru Stealth. Electricity cut, inside cameras turned off by distant glasswalkers. It was a great victory. In 1972, tremors shook the north. The Red Talons and Geta Fenris sent emissaries to the children, telling them that the north was too crowded. They held discussions, but nothing was solved. Kelly took courses at the university, waitress part-time, led the children with wisdom. Kelly and Paul drew closer, drinking wine and discussing Sartreux, arguing anarchism versus utopian communism, and laughing at the speeches of Spiro Agnew. Nixon and Agnew in 72, re-elect the president, don't trust Tricky Dick. Would you buy a used car from this man? Kelly and Paul were happy when Senator George McGovern, the dove, spoke out on Vietnam. I'm fed up with old men dreaming up wars for young men to die in. Dialogue is late in the night. What are the proletariat? Can they create a culture when the means of production and communication are controlled by the upper classes? The red rose of revolution blooms on the fertile soil. Purity falls from Lenin to Mao to Shea to Ho Chin Mo. There is no purity. It is dangerous to think that way. Purity gives us Hitler and the need for impure enemies. Let people hold power through democracy, not ruled by a chairman. Power in proportion to ego. At most, 100 petty egos run a state. Money is value. Change the value system. Shift the world. It's 4 a.m. More coffee? Gandhi. Humanity can produce some good. Love the earth, Zarathustra said. Giddish 4 a.m. laughter. People must have a testimony to the cruelty they inflict on each other. Freud said, man is a wolf to man, but no wolf would treat his fellows the way humanity treats its own. They also pierced the guru legends. Were we pups sheltered by Mother Gaia and the world tree? Or Silverfang, who wised up, wanted a balance? They saw Neil Armstrong on the moon, followed by others. It would be great if you were kinfolk. Nixon meets Mao. Nixon and Mao in 72. Ginsburg's howl always brought them a laugh. So did the old universal horror films of Lon Chaney Jr. Each day brought forth new revelations and the music of Generation Revolution moved through them, rattled through all things. They both laughed when the old Finnish guru Risto showed up, telling them the tale of Avar's sermon for the upteenth time while they drank cheap beer in St. Paul. You're preaching to the converted, Paul said. I know, but you guys always buy a drink for a friend. God damn! Down in gloom-haunted forests, where sad waters drip with tears, their death courts' final rest, where demons plow their fears. Their harvest is full sorrows, which they strew about the years, while wraiths weep for the morrow, and the morrow never nears. Where time casts no shadow, save the flight of memory, here desire's phantoms grow in the garden of desultory. Sad shades of that land's daughters are the moonlight's lonesome prowlers. They weep beside sad waters for the souls of the dead white howlers. Once the fierce guru stood guard and held Caesar's legions firm, those who halted Caesar's standard could not halt the devouring worm. Wrecked on ill-omened winds blown over a people brave and strong, with tenacious hold it had grown, choking life and love and song. Only pale ghosts recall the old howlers of the place. The worm caressed them all. Dark thoughts disease the race. They return with ghastly laughter. Laughter lost to the worm's embrace. Black spiral dancers ever after, and the abyss was in their face. 
Here Machmal ruled the wolves of night, in caves hewn from hell's dark lair. The glance of death's undying sight guarded the pit of dread despair. The cries of shattered seraphim trembled, oh, trembled in that air. The bones of broken holy men set shadows on the stair. He thought of his garukin, the tribes who wed the wild. Secrets they had he would win on raids from the long exiled. Thundering from his throne of pain, picked carved from ancient ivory, his slaves came like countless rain, his vermin spawn of victory. All right, all right. Push up, sit down. I'm going to tell you the tale of O'Sheen McGaelic of the Fianna. After High King Carbra died, Lord of Iron's five kingdoms, the Fianna were dispersed. Great-grandson of Fen McCool was O'Sheen McGaelach, named after his grandfather, minstrel as his grandfather. He had the wolf blood in him. He had hero blood in him. O'Sheen was an Olaf, master poet of the land, greatest singer in this earth. You see, in his time, the Fianna chose only those of wolf blood. In old times, the Fianna chose men and shaped skins alike. Since the death of Fen McCool, there were secret fighters, keeping Iron's foes away, sea raiders on the Fenris Wolf. Now O'Sheen's singing spread his fame throughout the kingdoms of Earth, even to Tirnanog, undying land of the Dunon. Now over in Cumri, the Pankarth, the chief poet of that land, in Iron up Blythe, Harper, the great hero and wolf changer, grandson of mighty King Bran. He had the blood of the crow. He had the blood of the wolf, but he chose the blood of the wolf. And Britain's joined heroes, kinfolk to the Fianna, the Din Drowdenblythe, the werewolves of old Wales. And Irin wished to challenge Oshin for the great title of Gaia's greatest minstrel, Bar the Goron, crowned bard of Gaia's many kingdoms, of Gaia's many werewolves. You see, Oshin learned the riddles of folk before the Qumri, of the land's ancient druids. Torna's great son heard the call, harping in Tara's mighty hall. So there came into Tintagel a ship from Klocha in iron, to Cornwall's shores, O'Sheen came, with Crute Harp in his hand, and Iron escorted him with his three Fianna friends, Calach, Cohn, and Kelius, and Shifra from World's End. Now Shifra was Danon's folk, ancient gods of Ternanog. She loved Iron's greatest harper. She loved O'Sheen McGaelach. The wolf changers come to see them, gathered in the old Roman villa. Poole, Bedwyr, and Dwayli, and Iron's friends, were with him. The friends of Fair and Iron. Austin of Leonis was there. Merthian, guard of Mount Snowden. From Wald the Tillowith Teg came the far ones. And old Cadi from Cardellion. They sat down before the wolf prince, Dantir, who fought to contest Green Albion, now that the legions were gone to Gaul. War was forgotten, as sang Einarin. And Einarin then issued his challenge. 
and it comes thus. I am the cousin of Rom's founder. I am the slayer of the giant. I am the wind upon the land. I am the cattle of the sea. I'm the fighter for the sheep. I am the rock at Kunfall River. I am the Mabon's youth. I am the serpent slain by Dianect. I'm the singer of Einwin. I am Elisiv's blithe. I am the god who devoured God. I am the wolf of ancient Gaul. I am the secret of Caridwen. I am Aryukbuk. I am the beloved of Rhiannon. I am the kin of Wolf and Crow. And not to be outdone, Oshin accepted the challenge. And this is what he said. I am the grandson of the flood. I am the giver of hospitality. I am the man of the grove. I am the establisher of kingship. I am the beloved of the goddess Dan. I am the first man from Hiberia. I am the first of the red branch heroes. I am the son of Finn. I am the son of Bran and Scalon. I am the wolf secret of Finn McGart. I am the stone of destiny in Nokla. But Inirin's confidence did not waver, and he gave his response. He says these words, I know why Priam's loss was this land's gain. I know why Gog Magog feared the Brutus. I know why the mother loves us. I know why Artos hates us. I know why the wolf seeks the man, and I know why the man seeks the wolf. I know why the stag carries the dead, and I know why the horse raises the dead. I know Arianrod's secret husband. I know the alphabet of Karanios. I know Tadu's hidden trade route. I know what the dead whisper to the crows, and I know what the crows tell the trees. I know the word that killed the father. But Oshin didn't crumble under the weight of the verse. Instead, he gave his reply as thus. I know why Priam loved the horse. I know why Artos dies and lives. I know the riches of Finnegas the Druid. I know the undying word of the boar, Twitworth. I know the wounds our mother held for us. I know the three secrets of the Morgan. I know the secret wolf has over man. I know the secret man has over wolf. I know the eldest shifter's tree. I know the fear the autumn crow brings. I know the way to the blessed isles. I know the gift of tree to man. I know the riddle of you and oak. I know why the snake sheds his skin. I know the wound father gave Sulis. I know the ancient Dagda's triumph. I know the three names of bread. I know the name of Gaia's woman. And I know the sacred duty to her. With Oshin's splendid singing, in the night air sweetly ringing, left the judges to declare Oshin the winner there. 
And Iron was angry then. He threw down his Gwitter Glen. The red wine spilled down his chin. He knew of a test he could win. Looking into the warm night, he asked O'Sheen to fight. They changed into half-wolf form and fought there where the night was warm. In iron was the coal of night. O'Sheen's snow fur was white. Yet, at last before dawn, no warrior had won by brawn. Now the fighting must dispatch, and they declared it an even match. O'Sheen smiled and told Einrin, Heed the goddess in your song. Then a lady with three birds asked if she could please be heard. Ray Rigantona said, The greatest living or dead is O'Sheen McGaelic. From dawn's light to moonless black, your wish for fame finds its way in seven years and one day. A skilled seafarer was Skolnifen song, with warriors he wrecked and plundered from the waves returning before winter from, with Frankish riches to his home in Haloga land. Hope was high with him. He had set his eyes on Efura de Fair, kin of Floki Vilgarsson, who voyaged to Iceland in his fated vessel. He brought his bride by boat to his homestead in wild Haloga land, where the wolves run free. Skull had the blood of the wolf beast within him, but could not change skin as later his sons could, who wore the wolf skin and became renowned warriors of the Geta Fenris, the Virm's fiercest foes. Before aboard Skull two sons, Gunnar Skullson, greatest of heroes of the Geta Fenris, also Einar, fierce in fighting. When Gunnar was grown, he was the greatest of Garu, strongest of the wild werewolf, so his virid willed it. When they first felt the rage of their wolf blood flowing, Refnir, Skull's brother, brought them to the fierce Fenris wolves. Refnir was learned in wolf lore. He told the two brothers the tales of Fenris fury. Both were battle-tested and given grave tasks to grim-faced Fenris elders. Skeff the Slayer, Gerd Mysbun, and Skekel Staffilsson. Finally, they were fetched and sworn to the family of Fenris. A fierce band of brothers, bound by blood outs in bloody battles, all were bewildered at Gunnar's great strength. He gained a following among the young fighters of Fenris they soon took to sea. In a great long boat they built, then shot the bark out on stormy sea set sails out of Stenskjær in Norway. Brave was the band of bonded wolf brothers, Gunnar Skolson, the fierce jarl of the fury-filled fighters, seeking blood and battle and hero's great glory. These are the names of his noble companion. Asman de Jan, who bore the great axe of Odin, Vali Vikarsson, versed in rune lore, Torsten the giant, thane of renown, Hati Fairhair, fierce was his fury, Garm Gottison, grim was his mood. Einar Skolson, who stood with the stars, Ulf the Unlucky, who gave unfailing to the Njorn, and last, Donar Dog, who they met in Denmark, a houseless bone-gnore, he and Gunnar became the fastest of friends. After setting sail, they came to sea to Denmark. Here they met Dog, heard news and departed. They sailed the whale path before finding Scotland. They raided the towns but received little reward. 
Drawing into the land, I found red signs of the fell black spiral dancers. Here they did battle and slew four of them, then returned to the sea. I had heard of the Virum wolf after dark wisdom, cursed by Orkin and all the earth's creature. So said Gunnar as they rode. They raided the Saxons and sought wealth from Wales. Great fury they faced when they met three Fianna defending their friends. There was fierce fighting. Gunnar slew two with his great strength. The other met the axe of Odin. Sad was the Fenris to see such worthy foe perish. They set a mark on the land to let the foe kin know. Here brave heroes did battle and fell bound for Valhalla. They took the whale path to Brittany. Here more boats joined in strength. They fell on the land of the Franks. With sword and fire and berserker fury, they won great stores of gold and southern riches. When the fall came, the fleet broke up. Some bound back home while others headed south. Gunnar went north before winter neared. They lingered too long with Kin in Lodasse for the home of Hardbard. He had Fenris blood from his sire Sigurd, but the gift of skin chains was not his. His home was open to many men. Mead would they drink when the mood took them. Tales they heard of war at home. Harald Thickard fighting for the north against the earls of Norway. One night, while they feasted, the door flung open. It is Ruth Gillison, Hagrid said. Give him food. The men dropped their moody ale and moved to help the guest. Ruth, what words from the high uplands? I see Gunnar is here, Ruth said. That is good. Vo has come to us. Two winters ago on the farm of Fjarnir, Stadkath was found. Stadkath often took ship to sail to Finnmark. There he traded in woods with the wild bear worshippers, the Finns and the Laps of the land of the lakes. Three winters ago, Stadkath's son journeyed instead and went to the forest of the strange Finns. Stadkath followed in winter after waiting long. He found his son naked in the snow, feasting of fresh blood. A wild, wasted fire was within him. My son, what has happened? Starkad said to Rolf, who screamed in the night. You are bleached as bone and lapping blood of the slain bodies. Rolf became silent, then attacked his father, but Starkad fought with his dark sword made by the dwarf from Brimnish blood. Dark was the battle. Finally, Starkad slew his only son, then bowed vengeance on the very land. He swore to seek in silent forest the slayer of his son. His servants and the Laps begged him for go it. Only dim ghosts haunted that region, hating with rage the day. Starkath was heedless and headed in. None knew what happened in the haunted lands. Two winters ago we saw him in the woods of Upland. Fire was in his face as he returned to his farm. His family fled, finding Starkath a fiend who feasted on blonde after long famish. The farmers of the region found two fighters who said they would slay Starkath. He slaughtered them and nailed their bodies to the bark of the great trees. Starkath is weaker in the summer when his strength wanes. He is stronger in the winter when shadows widen. The folks of the region are fleeing their homes. I have come here to find help. Gladly we will give gold for your aid. Gunnar was silent of the root story. Finally he spoke all strain to hear. We will slay the stalker of life. He is the enemy of all living. Great honor will be ours when the get kills him. 
It's a dark course. Who will come with me? His men all swore to follow Skull's son. Gunnar said to Einar, Stay here, you have honor. You have deep wounds inflicted from the Fenris and Franks. Einar said to Gunnar, I give the old saying, Bear is his back, he who has no brother. Gunnar clasped the back of his younger brother, then girded weapons and gear for great battles to come. They traveled in snows through overcast days, guided by route to Grim Upland. They finally met farmers from the haunted region on the day when the sun lingered shortest in the sky. The people told them where Starka's place was. He had, he now had followers, dead fighters of night. The warriors left into the deep woods, then changed into wolves, running wild. Strange scents stung them of spoiled meat. They ran to a clearing before a farm enclosure. Two dead warriors walked, guards of winter. The wolves watched them and the sentinel wavered, feeling the unseen eye of the fenders upon them. One warrior had one eye, the other held fearsome weapons. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM, at our email, info at 25yearsvtm.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25yearsvtm, or on our website, www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade.